Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a career wellness podcast for mid-career and recovering academics who want more. More meaning, balance, rest, joy, and more clarity. Our motto here is no regrets. So glad you're here. Hello, hello. (laughs) Happy holidays. You are listening to episode 95, and I'm Danielle Delamar. I wanted to talk to you about self-compassion today. I actually want to walk you through how to take a self-compassion break. I'm going to encourage you to really do some self-compassion breaks, especially over the holidays, since things are Well, the holidays, right? They're kind of hard. So how's it going for you right now? I mean, that's an honest question. How's it going? Are you in fight flight? (laughs) Like we talked about last episode? Are you in freeze? What's really hard for you right now? And I'm just going to have you take a second and just really check in with yourself. And um, I'll pause while you do that. Okay, so over the holidays, I think our society often tells us that we're on break, right? Like, yeah, we don't have to work as much. We can chill out more. But then I really started thinking about all the things that were happening over this quote unquote break, (laughs) right? Like, I'm thinking about things like being off my schedule, like my daughter's home with me a lot more now because she gets out of school way before Christmas even comes, right? And then I'm also thinking about the mental energy it takes to figure out your day moment to moment because you don't have sort of the structure of your daily habits to hold you in place, right? It's the holidays, right? So there's all this mental energy that goes into, okay, what are we going to do now? What needs to be done now? How can that be dealt with with the least amount of energy, right? Like, how can I gather the gifts, right? And wrap them and package them. And I know that I need to take a couple trips to the post office. And how can I do all of this while also thinking about you know, the kids need to have some Christmas fun and we need to be able to have a little bit of a Christmas dinner. And then all of this is coming when we receive some really difficult family news recently that um, we haven't been able to talk to our kids about. We haven't been able to talk to anyone about, but my husband and I have been processing that, those sort of difficult emotions after they go to bed and talking through them. And so there's a lot going on. We have the busyness of the season with this backdrop of a family sort of crisis. And we're not even traveling like I know many of you are. Many of you are dealing with all the stuff that comes with traveling. And many of you are dealing with all the stuff that comes with hosting a big dinner. And for us, we're just home. We're not, we're not, you know, hosting anyone. We're not traveling. 
we are just dealing with the regular sort of holiday season stuff. And it's a lot. And I've been very, very aware that I need to continue to check in with myself. I've been very aware that I need to be monitoring my nervous system states. And if you want a little more context about what I'm talking about, you can go back to episode 94, which was last week, and hear more about that. But I've really been asking myself a lot, you know, what does my nervous system need right now? And a lot of times I need to just go lay down in my bed for a few minutes and just like notice what it feels like to be in my body and breathe. And sometimes that leads to a little bit of journaling so that I can process emotions. And I am so grateful that I have the tools to do this now because there was a time when I definitely did not have these kinds of tools. And so I wanted to talk about that for a second. The The very first time I was introduced to self-compassion was when I went to a two-day workshop with Dr. Kristen Neff. She is at UT Austin, and she was doing this workshop for mostly social work uh, faculty and grad students at the University of Michigan. This was back in 2015, and I actually had a student who emailed me and told me this was happening. Um, She had heard it on um, Michigan Public Radio, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I should go. It's about mindful self-compassion. And I had been teaching mindfulness for a while at that point. Um, But I didn't know about the self-compassion piece. And, you know, I show up and I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be some more sort of mindfulness tools that I can put in my toolbox. And then (laughs) I realize that I know nothing about self-compassion. And this is not just some more tools. This is like a life-changing thing that I'm being introduced to. And I spent two days (laughs) at this workshop just crying and processing. And, you know, I went back to the hotel between day one and day two and just journaled a lot and, and... What was so life-changing about this workshop is that it was really the first time I had made space for my emotions, right? I was going through career crisis. I knew I wanted to leave academia by this time. And that was largely, up until this point, sort of an intellectual exercise, like, I'm going to be needing to leave. I know that I want to be a coach. I need to figure out what kind of training programs I want to get into. I'm reading about coaching some, but this was the first time I really processed the emotions of being in a job that wasn't working for me. Um, It was also me processing a lot of other emotions about like the difficulties of uh, becoming a mother, right? I had had my first baby in 2013. This was 2015. And I had never fully processed my new identity as a mom. Um, so there was that too, right? There, there was a lot of pressure on me. I, I was tenure track. I wasn't tenured yet. So I was having to do that. And I was having to work toward that, knowing I wanted to leave. 
I was living in the state I didn't want to live in. <laughs> uh, by the way, I do love Michigan. Um, so if you are a Michigander, I am not saying anything bad about Michigan. I'm just saying it wasn't home and I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be back in the Mountain West. I was processing other things as well, like um, childhood stuff, right? And this workshop like brought all of that stuff up for me, which doesn't sound great, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. That's a lot, especially if you've been pushing it down, if you've been intellectualizing things, you haven't been fully letting yourself feel them. Well, it was tough, but... The workshop taught me how to manage it, all the tough stuff. It taught me to feel it in my body. It taught me how to hold myself in kindness and compassion. It taught me the stuff that meditation and mindfulness practices hadn't taught me, right? Which was how to hold myself when difficult emotions came up. I didn't really know how to do that. Difficult emotions would come up in my meditation practice and I wouldn't totally know how to hold myself in, in warmth and support when they did. This is one reason a lot of people have a hard time with meditation, right? Because when you're sitting in silence with yourself, tough stuff comes up. And if you don't know how to support yourself through it, why would you continue with a meditation practice, right? Like, oh, great, a bunch of a bunch of really difficult shit is coming up and I don't know what to do with it. Why would you do that to yourself? So the beauty of self-compassion is that it helps you to turn into difficult emotions. It helps you to process them while you're being kind to yourself. And in that process, you can start to reorient. In that process, you can start to restabilize in a way you haven't before, right? Before, it's like, oh, I've got all these difficult emotions and I can't deal with them, so I'm going to just suppress them. Or you might indulge in them, right? I'm so sad. I'm so upset. And I'm just going to eat my way through it and watch Netflix forever, but neither of those responses actually help you to process the emotions in the way that they need to be processed, right? Uh, they don't help you to restabilize. In fact, what they do is they distract you from getting in touch with what you actually need. So the work that Kristen Neff is doing is just incredible work. And she's spreading this message to as many people as she can. She, along with her colleague, Dr. Chris Germer, have created the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion at the University of California, San Diego. And I am forever grateful for the work they've done, the workshops I've been able to go to, the teacher training I've been able to go to. They are absolutely changing our society, honestly. And, I, and if I think about sort of the changes that occurred within me and the things I could do in my own life because of the self-compassion work I was doing, if I kind of imagine that on like a large scale, like in our society, and this is the work they're doing, right? They're doing global work. In our world, if people are becoming more self-compassionate, 
right? That becomes societal transformation. That becomes us being able to process our collective emotions. And this is what I also know. I know that our culture doesn't do a good job of supporting this kind of inner work. The institutions, the academic institutions that we do our work in, they don't do a good job of supporting this kind of inner work. There's not a lot of support out there in our, you know, individual academic departments that support this kind of work. And this is a case in point. Kristen Neff herself was not given promotion from associate professor to full professor because, as she says, she's paid the penalty for being, quote, too soft. In her book, um, Fierce Self-Compassion, she writes this, I was denied promotion from associate to full professor, even though I had 50% more citations than the second most highly cited full professor in my department because my research wasn't deemed, quote, rigorous enough for an R1. Because my classes focus on helping students learn skills of mindfulness and self-compassion, writing papers about the impact of doing such practices in their daily life, my teaching wasn't considered, quote, scholarly enough. And the service I provided in the form of helping to create an international training program in self-compassion wasn't really valued since it was done outside the bureaucratic system. Thank goodness for my self-compassion practice. I was dismayed and discouraged after being denied the promotion and needed both tender and fierce self-compassion to get me through. First, I made sure I allowed myself to fully experience the disappointment and grief of being passed over. The feeling of not being appreciated. I remember lying in bed, putting both hands on my heart and crying all night. I told myself, this really hurts. I feel so unseen, so unvalued. But I see you, Kristen. I value you and honor how hard you've worked to bring more compassion to this world. I'm so sorry that your department and university have different values, but it has nothing to do with you or the worth of your scholarship. I allowed the storm to arrive and move on. When I woke up the next morning, I was angry. I felt I'd been treated unfairly. I met with the dean, the university ombudsman, and the chair of the tenure and promotion committee. I created a document comparing the rigor of my scholarship with that of the last two faculty members in similar fields who were promoted to full professor, both males. It was clear that my methods were at least, if not more, rigorous, but the decision was final. And my only option would be to try again in a couple years. However, to do so would require playing the game in a way that was more to the university's liking. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be distracted from my work in the world and waste time on what the university values, but that I see as irrelevant. So I've decided to make a change and am taking early retirement at the end of 2021. I can still conduct research as an associate professor emeritus, and I'm talking with various universities about research appointments, but I will mainly focus on helping the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion bring self-compassion to those who need it around the globe. Healthcare workers, educators, 
social justice advocates, parents, teens, anyone who suffers. Although it's scary to leave a tenured position, I know it's the right thing to do. Kristen Neff talks about her work as something that has really sort of operated outside of the academic system. And she says that the academy doesn't like people who go their own way. This was a big decision. Kristen Neff was perfectly positioned to make this kind of decision because she has done so much inner work. I mean, her entire research agenda on mindful self-compassion, which has been like 20 years in the making, now more, I think, came from her own inner work that she was doing when she was on the job market and trying to write her dissertation and going through a divorce, right? She found self-compassion to get her through that hard time. And that self-compassion work continues to get her through. She's done this deep inner work that has oriented her and clarified what her path is and what she's going to do next. But going back to the holidays, (laughs) y'all, right? Like going back to the holidays and being able to show up for yourself when it feels like there are all these expectations on you, being able to be there for yourself, being willing to hold space for yourself while you process difficult emotions, that is practice. That is about planting the seeds so that when it comes time to make the really difficult career decisions, you can hold yourself through it. You can support yourself through it. So let's practice. (laughs) This is what I want you to do. I want you to notice where you are. And if you're in sort of the stressed out holiday place that many of us are, I'm going to draw on Kristen Neff's work and offer to you a practice that you can start using now during the holidays when things are tough. This is called the self-compassion break. And before I introduce you to the self-compassion break, what I'd like to do is tell you that there are two different ways to show compassion. You show compassion through physical gesture, so right touch. This is if you're showing compassion to somebody, you might give them a hug or squeeze their arm or something, right? So you can do that for yourself. Um, Kristen Neff, like the the sort of go-to response and the thing that she talked about in that little snippet of her book that I read to you, is to place both hands over your heart and feel the warmth of your hands and the pressure of your hands over your heart, right? So that's one way to show compassion for yourself. But try a few things, right? You can try holding your own hands. You can try cupping one of your hands in the other in your lap. You can try cupping your hands over your face, right? So having a hand on each cheek. Or you can try just placing one hand over one cheek. You can try giving yourself a hug, like a really big sort of bear hug. You can try placing your hands on your belly or one on your belly and one on your heart. So I'm just going to ask that you take a second and you can pause this here, right? If you are in a place where you can actually do this, just take a second and um, try out these different physical gestures and notice what one 
helped you to feel most supported. Notice what one feels most kind to you. Notice what one feels like, you know, you could sort of melt into that. And then the next thing you're going to do is to communicate compassion to yourself using language. So based on what you're going through right now, right? Um, and, and take a second and, and decide what that is. What is that thing you're going through right now? What's difficult about it? What are the emotions that are coming up? How do those emotions manifest in your body, right? What body sensations are you really noticing and you're really feeling right now? Like really tune into that, okay? And then once you've really sort of tuned into the emotion and to the feelings in the body, you place your hands over your heart or whatever other place feels supportive to you. And then you tell yourself something that you need to hear right now. If you struggle with figuring out what to say, (laughs) you can think about what um, you might tell a really good friend, someone you really love, who's going through what you're going through right now. What would you tell that person? And really the three elements are this. You want to make sure you are letting yourself know that this is hard, right? You're acknowledging that it's a struggle. You want to make sure to let yourself know that this is part of the human journey and you're not alone. And you want to offer yourself kindness. So those three things, right? Um, Acknowledging that this is a moment of suffering. Um, Telling yourself, too, that suffering is a part of life. And three, saying something like, you know, may I be kind to myself. Those three things can actually be converted into... The language I used last time on uh, the nervous system, right? And so rather than saying, you know, this is a moment of suffering, suffering is a part of life, may I be kind to myself, you could say something like, my nervous system is in survival response. Moments of protection happen for everyone. May I bring some ventral vagal energy to this moment? And I'm getting this from uh, Deb Dana's work um, in in her book, Anchored, Um, right? So if last episode, episode 94, resonated with you and you have been starting to notice your nervous system states, you can convert Kristen Neff's self-compassion work into something that acknowledges your nervous system states. Okay, so I hope you make space for yourself. I hope you take a self-compassion break over the holidays. I hope you give yourself space to process difficult emotions. And just remember, each time you do this kind of stuff, each time you pause, each time you're willing to show up for yourself, each time You allow yourself space to do the inner work that we all need to do. You begin to pave a path for yourself, a career path and a life path that responds to your needs, right? If you don't make space for yourself now, you can't possibly make space for yourself in the future. In the future, I want to make space for myself, right? In the future, I want the career that I actually want. In the future, I'll do this thing. (laughs) No, 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 no. Learn how to make space for yourself right now during the holidays when things are 
hard and there are a lot of expectations placed on you. Learn how to do this work now. Do it consistently so that your wisdom flows through you. All right, y'all. Have a wonderful holiday season. Um, I really do hope you make a lot of space for yourself or if not a lot of space, some space. Thanks for listening to Self-Compassionate Professor. Find me on LinkedIn at Danielle Delamar, on Twitter and Instagram at Danielle SC Prof, or schedule a free coaching consult at selfcompassionateprofessor.com. Be well.